See, the irony, I think, of John 1, 10 to 11, is that although he made everything, that all was created for and through him, his own did not receive him. So John looks right back to the creation of the world, right back to when there was nothing, and paints this picture where God creates all things through his word, all things through Jesus, and then he goes on to say, even though all these things had been created, when he came, his own did not receive him. In John's view generally, if you look through the Gospel of John, you'll see that John is time and time again saying that the Pharisees rejected him, the Jewish people rejected him, the religious authorities rejected him. But actually in this part, in the prologue to John, he's saying that actually all rejected him. It's echoing some of the previous stuff in Scripture where it says things like, all like sheep have gone astray. And then what John says later on, that if we claim to be without sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. These are just universal facts that John wants to emphasize. God made Thorpe and Hartsies and Norwich and East Anglia, England, Britain, Europe, the world, the universe and everything. He created the whole lot. I'm so glad we don't have to put that on an envelope. We need an awful big envelope to address everything. But God created it all. He created all of us. Wherever we're from, culturally or emotionally um, or physically, He created us all. And it was wonderful what He created. But though He made it, His own have not recognized Him. Now that's not news really, is it? To those of us who have maybe heard sermon after sermon, week after week, we know that God created good stuff and then the good stuff rejected him. But the way that John wrote it, he didn't write it as, oh wow, those non-Christians have got a different worldview than we have today. He didn't write it as, oh wow, those non-Christians, they've really started calling a winter holiday and so rejected Jesus. John didn't write it as, Oh wow, those non-Christians are really responsible for all the bad things that are happening in the world. No, John wrote it just to say that's just how things are. You know, God creates good stuff and then good stuff rejects them. That's just the way that the world is. Jesus made the world, he made us, and we didn't welcome him when he visited. That's much more profound. That's much more of a truth that demands a different, a personal response from me. A response that's not, oh, look at them, they've got to receive him. It's a way of writing that makes me respond and says, what about me? Am I still receiving Jesus today? You know, when Jesus comes in his role as saviour to make me whole, because that's what being a saviour means. I know that today, standing here in front of you, I am not whole. There are, there are bits about me that God is saving and that I'm being changed day by day, but I know that you know, there are still some things that I'm really frightened of. There are still some things that I really struggle with. There are still some areas of my life that I'm completely not whole in. I know I can stand here and I can worship with my hands in the air and I can praise God. But at the same time, there are thoughts going through my mind that I know are not all. And when Jesus comes as the saviour of the world to bring wholeness, the word sodzo just means wholeness, the word we've translated as salvation. 
I want to receive Him and say, Lord, make me more whole. Lord, take the, the body that You've given me and turn it into something that's spectacular for You. I want to receive Him as my Saviour. When He comes as my leader, I want to receive Him as my leader. When Jesus walks in front of me, I want to stay close to Him. You know, when I read the Gospels and I see what He did and I see who He went to and I see how He cared and how He had compassion and how He loved and how He continued to love and He continued to love. He loved His friends. He loved His family. He loved His enemies. He loved those that were at the the top of society even though they often got it wrong. And He loved those that were at the bottom of society in their oppression and in their rejectedness. And when Jesus comes to me as leader, I want to follow Him. I want to stay dead close to Him. I want to be so close to Him that the dust of His feet comes up and covers me. I want to be one who is a close follower and disciple of Jesus. I want to receive His leadership. When He comes as provider and gives me everything that I need, I want to receive daily the opportunity to accept in faith what he gives to me. You know, he, 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 he told a story, didn't he? He says, you know, we worry about many things. We worry that, you know, we won't have enough food to eat and we won't have enough clothes to wear. We won't have enough, he doesn't say this, but we won't have enough money in order to do the stuff that we want to do. And he tells me a story that every time I look at my left shoulder, I'm reminded of. That's because I've got a tattoo of a raven on my left shoulder. And he says, consider the ravens. He says, you know, doesn't God look after them? Doesn't God look after all the things that he's created? How much more will he look after you? So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Do I look to him as my provider daily? Or do I think, what do I need to do in order to work things out so that I can provide for myself and for my family more and more? When Jesus comes as provider, do I receive him or do I receive him not? More and more, I want to sit at his feet as counsellor. When he comes to me as counsellor, you know, to, to show me the way that I should go, to help me to decide what I should give from my, my income and from my wages, to help to, to know how I can help those that are around me. To know how to deal with some of the pains that are in my own life. Do I can't go to him or do I go back to my own resources? See, I want to receive him, him more and more in my life. Because he's created me, he knows me, and he knows exactly how we can receive him. I want to come to him as counsellor. When he comes to me as protector... You know, when the world seems to be conspiring against us, when things seem to be just seeking to put us down, whether it's ill health or whether it's emotional difficulties or whether it's poverty or whether it's riches or whether it's family strife or whether it's arguments or whether it's a sense of, I don't know where I'm going anymore. Will I come to him as protector? Or will I just build a wall around myself and say, Actually, I can keep the world out. I can look after me. And how often do we do that? 
We just build this wall around ourselves and, and we receive him not because he won't bash his way through that wall. Because he created us and he knows that actually he can help us. He knows that he can get through to us. But we receive him not and we build the wall and we say, I can protect myself. I can build a castle that no, fort- that no storm can knock down. And he, he must laugh in heaven, must he? Because he knows the storms that are about to face us in life. But he can protect us. And so do we receive him as protector? When he comes to us as king, do we welcome him as king? It, it's lovely to sing songs that say, you know, you are our king, you are our Lord. But accepting his rule is a different thing, isn't it? You know, being able to pick up the words and struggle with it and say, what does this mean? And know that it's always right. Know that the the book that we pick up, even though it's maybe difficult to pick up sometimes, know that it's always right and that this is the manifesto of the king. And to follow his rule and his reign. When we do that, we receive him. When we just think, well, actually, I don't understand it, and so I'll get on with my own life, and I'll do my own thing, and maybe one day he'll reveal it to me. We're still going like sheep astray, all of us going to our own way. But God calls us to receive him, and to receive him as king. I, I, I love the film Forrest Gump. I haven't watched it in its fullness for, a whole, for quite a long time. But I do watch lots of clips from it. And there's one clip that I particularly watch over and over again. And it's a clip when um, Forrest's friend, Lieutenant Dang, um, comes back from having been, they've, they've been at war together. Um, and Forrest Dang's in his wheelchair. And the last time that uh, Forrest Gump had seen him, uh, they were in the hospital together and he was really an angry man. And, and Lieutenant Dang uh, comes to the, uh, the edge of the, the, the river where Forrest is going down in his boat. Can you remember this picture? Um, so he's going down in, in his boat and Forrest sees Lieutenant Dang over on the quayside and he's driving this great big uh, shrimp fisher boat and he doesn't know how to uh, fish for shrimp and he's driving this great big boat and he just sees his friends and he, he waves to him and as he's waving to him he runs to the back of the boat and he's so excited that he runs right off the back of the boat and he jumps into the water and he starts swimming and he lets the boat just go and crash into the, the side of the quayside because he's so excited to go and see his friends. It's a real childlike response and God wants us to receive him with that childlike response. He wants us to run into his arms. He wants us to run and to jump into the water. And he wants to go over and he wants us to hug him and to receive him back. When children that really know you and trust you uh, meet you, don't they, they do that? They run to you and they'll, they'll jump into your arms and they'll give you a big hug. Um, you, you know, maybe not when they're just a couple of days old. Um, <laughs> but they'll, they'll run and they'll jump and they'll hug. And it's a lovely childlike response, isn't it? The Pharisees, the religious authorities, Herod, they all reject the Son of God. Our religion doesn't always best prepare us to receive Jesus. It can help us. See, sometimes our worship can be from the heart. It can be in spirit and in truth. Sometimes when we have communion, we truly meet with Jesus. We remember him for who he is. Sometimes when we read God's words, 
We can really respond to it because we see God for who he is for ourselves. Sometimes if we keep short accounts of confession, we can live that life that knows the continual forgiveness of God in our lives. It doesn't always do that, but it can do that. But receiving Jesus is an act of relationship. To those who receive him, those who welcome him, he gives the right to become the children of God. In Galatians it says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our heart. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. The spirit that calls out, Dad. It's not got the kind of childish thing of Daddy perhaps, but it's that thing of Dad. I love you, Dad. And the Holy Spirit comes and he fills us so that we might receive that spirit of adoption, that spirit of sonship that enables us to run up to our Heavenly Father and say, Abba. Father, Dad. Then again it says in Romans, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to be sons. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's own children. Christmas is all about the children as God's children. So we run, we jump, we hug the one who has come for us, come back for us, come to save us, to heal us, to restore us, to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to counsel us, to father us. <laughs> no wonder, um, it, it, it's a natural thing to do, isn't it? To pick up your phone and take a selfie because he's here for us. And we want to be witnesses to that and we want the whole world to know that he's our dad and we're his kids and God says with his big beam on his face these are my children these are my children to those who receive to those who believe in his name now when you look at the words believing in his name and you're looking at Uh, believing in Jesus, they're pretty much synonymous. Um, There has been all sorts of different theological studies to look at where the occurrences of believe in the name and believe in Jesus, but actually most theologians agree that they're pretty much the same thing. So believing in Jesus, believing in the name of Jesus in the New Testament are the same thing. But I want to go back to the Old Testament where Isaiah looked at the names of Jesus. The names of the Messiah, the names of the one who was coming to save the world. And he says in Isaiah chapter 9, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. just like to look at believing in some of these names of Jesus. Wonderful counsellor. Wonderful counsellor. He's a listener. He's a good listener. He's a confidant. 
is somebody that we can trust. It could be our, our advisor. It can be a friend. It can be a good companion. Now, what, can anybody tell me, if you're going to see a counsellor, what's really important about going to see a counsellor? There's a couple of things that are really important. Anybody like to suggest what might be important when you go to see the counsellor? You go to see a counsellor. Confidentiality, yeah, that you speak just like openly from your heart, knowing that whatever you say to your counsellor is going to be confidential. Anything else that anybody likes to say? Yeah, truthful. You've got to be truthful and open. You've got to say, this is who I am, and not hold anything back. You've also got to go and see the counsellor. Having a counsellor is not enough. Having a counsellor that is there to help you with all your issues in life is not enough. You can, be, you can trust their confidentiality. You can be as honest as you like. But if you don't go and see them, they can't listen. And I just want to kind of stress this really important point that spending time with Jesus, our wonderful counsellor, is really important. Now, I know that we, we, we're all believers probably in here, and many of us know that just deep in our hearts, that spending time with Jesus is important. But actually, in the busyness of day-to-day life, I know how difficult that that can be to spend time with Jesus, with our wonderful counsellor, where we can be open, where we can trust that he'll be completely confidential with us. Spending time with Jesus, our wonderful counsellor, is so crucial to walking with him as his disciple. And his name will be Mighty God. He's not just someone who listens, but God who's got the power to create, God that's got the power to control, God that's got the power to release control safely, God that's got the power to consume, to judge, to forgive, and to heal. See, it's important that we recognize who the Jesus is that we believe in. He's not just some gentle Jesus, meek and wild, Look on me, a little child. He's mighty God. Yahweh Sabaoth is one of the expressions there. The God of the armies. He's the God who commands legions over us and protects us with his mighty armies. He wants us to be part of his mighty army because he is the mighty God. He's the one that can make things happen. He's the one who in our lives, many of our lives, if we were to tell our testimonies, we've seen amazing things happen. And so we continue to trust in our mighty God. I, I, I said in there, he's the one who's got the power to control. And he's also the one who's got the power, because he's so powerful, to release control. You know, you can tell a truly powerful leader when he doesn't have to have absolutely his finger on every single pulse all the time. Because he knows that bad things might happen. But he's got the power to bring all things together for good for those who love him. He's a mighty God. He's the God of the armies. He's the God of our lives. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. If we are His children, He is the Father, the Good Father, the Righteous Father, the Wise Father, the Father who provides, 
the Father who is the source of our life and to whom we look up to and who, hope, and who holds us up. Now there is a bit of a paradox here. I don't know if you've, you've worked this out in reading Isaiah over the years. Um, but we're talking about Jesus, aren't we? We're talking about the Son, aren't we? Uh, but he's the Father. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty Father. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and he will be the Father. See, people will say that the New Testament kind of made up this whole idea of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Absolutely not. It's written all the way through Scripture. Isaiah knows quite clearly that the Son is the Father, and the Father is the Son. And the Father is the Son is the Counselor which sometimes we see in, in the book of John later on as being the Holy Spirit, don't we? You know, the Trinity is right there because of the relationship that God has in Himself and the relationship that God has with us, His children. John 17, Jesus says, I want you to be as one, just as I am one with the Father. That relationship that we have with God, that God has in the, the Trinity itself, He wants us to have with one another he will be the everlasting father the prince of peace the one who brings peace that passes understanding who hears our prayers who stills our anxious hearts who raises up men and women who will speak words of calm you ever come across these people you know sometimes you do just come across them don't you you know you might be as anxious as anything and you'll go to speak to one of these people or you'll just come across them people of peace and suddenly your heart is at ease. Suddenly you feel calm. Suddenly you just feel, I, I feel better through being in this person's presence. That's because the Prince of Peace has put that person there with you. Someone, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who his disciples said when they were in a storm that they thought was going to kill them. And he stood up and he commanded the storm. And they said, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the Prince of Peace. Just as it's important to spend time with Jesus as our wonderful counsellor, I think it's important that we make space to spend time with the Prince of Peace. Maybe that might be in silent meditation. Something that I've got into maybe over the last three, four years is just spending time with God in meditation. And you experience that peace that passes over us, passes understanding. It might be just in walking the dog or walking with a friend. And we can experience that peace because God is walking with us. Or it might be just sat by the fire, looking into the fire and doing so consciously, aware that you're there with the Prince of Peace. The peace that passes understanding. To all who received him, to all who believe in his name, and then these are just some of the names. Um, if we look at the Christmas story, Matthew chapter 1, it says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from his sins. You know, his name is Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name we sang it this morning, didn't we? The name of Jesus Christ, our King. What a powerful name the name of Jesus is. The name Yeshua, it means the Lord saves. Because he saves his people from their sins. He saves us from something, what we were destined to be. He saves us to be something, 
who we can be just now. And he saves us to become something who we one day gloriously will be. He's the one that that we look forward to because the wonderful name of Jesus is the one that makes us whole, that brings us life, that delivers us, that protects us. The name of Jesus we believe in. And it says again further on in Matthew, the virgin will conceive and give him a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. Preached a few weeks ago on the importance of knowing the nearness of God in all of our daily lives. The Lord is near. We believe in these names. We believe that he is the Prince of Peace. We believe he is the mighty God. We believe he is the wonderful counsellor. We believe he is the everlasting Father. We believe his name is Emmanuel. We believe in the name of Jesus, our Saviour and our Lord. And to all who receive, to all who believe, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. You see, there's no... There's no right naturally for us to be children of God. It's not our historical inheritance. It's not our family right. It's not because of our decisions, not our human decisions. This isn't about what I decide. It's about what God has decided for us. He's decided that he wanted us to become his children. You know, there's, there's no pride in that. There's no, I'm better than you because of that. It's not because my decisions are better than your decisions not because I happen to live in Britain that I made some better decisions than those that live in Central Africa. It's not because of our decisions. It's because God has decided that He wants us to be His children. To all who believe in Him. To how many that receive His name? To all who receive His name. To all who believe in Him. He gave the right to become children of God. Who gave it? Who made us? God did. Who gave us the will to decide? God did. Who decided that we would be his children? God did. Why did he do that? Because he loves us. Because he loves his children. All of his children. And he gave us all the right to receive him. To believe in his name. See, just as the birth of Jesus is not brought about by an accident of history or geography... It's not brought about by the decision of a particular group of people that see themselves as godly. It's not brought about by any natural process. The birth of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the One who saves us from our sins, the presence of God with us, is not a natural act. It's an act of the will of God. It's a supernatural act. Christmas is the most supernatural time in our calendar. And because of his will, because of our willingness to receive that and believe in his will revealed, we have the right to become children of God. 1 John chapter 1 verse 3 says, See what great love the Father has poured out on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. God loves us exactly as we are. 
he transforms us. You know, he, he comes, he welcomes us, he serves us, and he, he transforms us, but he loves us exactly as we are. Just to read the passage again, it says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his, in, in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus came. He came. In a week or two, we're going to celebrate the incredible fact that Jesus, the Son of God, descended to the realm of men and lived with us as one of us for a while. See, Christmas is for the children, really. That we are those children. Irrespective of how many years we've spent on this planet, we are those children. He came as God with us to give us the right to call ourselves by our true name, Godson, the children of God. God's children. We're not just children of history, destined to make the same mistakes of the past. We're not just children of decision, destined to make the best of things that we can do. We're not just children of nature, destined to live and to grow and to die. We're supernatural children, born because of the decision of the will of God. Born because God chose to enable us to live under the care of him as everlasting father for as long as his love lasts out. And how long does his love endure? Forever. So we run to him, crying, welcome home. And so we jump into his arms, crying, my Lord and my God. So we throw our arms around him, and we cry, Abba, Father. You know, whether we, whether we get there and we grab up our phone and say, can we have a selfie? I mean, that's entirely up to you. But we come with the right to do that. We come right into his presence. We receive him as Lord and King. We believe in him as mighty God and Prince of Peace. We believe he is Emmanuel, God with us. We believe that he's near. We believe that he's here. And we welcome him this Christmas. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that indeed you have come as our wonderful counsellor. You have come as our mighty God. You have come as our everlasting Father. You have come to be Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to, in areas perhaps that we haven't received you yet, to open up the, the floodgates of our hearts so that you may receive us fully into your heart, our hearts. So that we may receive you more and more each day. We pray that we would believe that you are who you say you are. Spending time with you. Enjoying the peace that you bring. 
we pray that we would be as your children running into your arms Lord we thank you that you laid aside all the glories of heaven so that you might get your kids back so that you might get us back and Lord we pray that we would not be those who reject you we wouldn't be like everything else in the world that rejects you the natural thing to do but we would be your supernatural children that receive you and believe in your name this day and every day Amen.